Well, hello, Mercy Road Church. It is good to be with you this morning. And if we haven't met, whether it's online or in person, my name is Chad. I'm spiritual formations pastor here. And it is a delight to be uh, given the privilege to share God's word with you this morning. We've been in a series as a church talking about identity issues, looking through the Gospel of John. And it has changed and broadened my horizon as I read that text. Well, I asked if it would be okay to take just a small detour today, still talking about identity issues, but looking through the eyes of a wonderful character in the Bible who had identity issues. And I think if we're honest, we've all struggled with that at some point in our lives. And the character is Gideon. Uh, my, at my former church, we just did a short series on this character, Gideon, and I couldn't think of a better example for us today as we think and want to process identity issues together. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to jo uh, Judges chapter 6, and we'll zero in on verses 11 through 16 together. But I want to start with a brief survey, and you can answer this online too. I won't know, but you will know. How many people who are gathered here today come from a perfect, healthy, loving, supportive family background where you get along with all your brothers, your sisters, parents, and yes, the in-laws, uncles, cousins, raise your hand. There may be someone out there, but it's not me either. Now, just to answer the other side of this, how many of you come from families that have some level of dysfunction within your broader family context, and it may provide some actual compelling material for reality TV? Raise your hand. All right. I actually would put my family in that camp as well. And I said this morning, I want to say it again in case Carrie, my wife, is listening, it all comes from my side. Her, her side is perfect. It's my side that has the dysfunction. So <laughs> I share this for fun, but also in a very serious way. Uh, in my times as a pastor, I've learned that there is profound power in the journey we've taken from our family of origin. Where we come from impacts our views of ourselves and the world around us. In fact, when we're preparing a couple for marriage, one of the things we spend a fair amount of time in is looking at family of origin. And the reason we do this is we understand it is almost certainly going to come back into their life experience when they become one flesh together as couple, as, as husband and wife. And I have to go no further than my own family to say I experience this all the time. Um, even just a few weeks ago, my wife said, that was your dad. <laughs> and I hear it all the time. And I don't think that I've brought all that into our marriage but in truth, I have. And, and a lot of it's good, right? Some of it's broken. Some of it is not good. And we're always trying to help couples prepare for that 
as they become husband and wife because we don't want them to be blindsided when they see that on their journey together. Now, when it comes to my wife's family, Carrie's dad was extremely interested in my ancestral history. With the name Murphy, he wanted to know just how truly Irish I was. Carrie's mom and dad were proud Norwegians. They, they were proud Norwegians, and they have linkages going back where they still have family in Norway. It's a big part of who they are. And he was a little concerned, one, that I was a Murphy, but then he wanted to understand more. And when he learned that I was a mutt, that was tough. And by a mutt, I simply mean I'm a little French, I'm a little Irish, I'm a little Dutch, and who knows what else. Our family is a mixed-up blend of a lot of stuff. Well, he got over it, and uh, he let me marry his daughter, and I'm very, very thrilled about that. But family matters. And I'm going to look with you at this character, Gideon, and, and to try to help us understand this, if we can go back in time and be a Jewish person when the events that are recorded in the book of Judges were taking place, we would see just how strongly a person's identity was bound to their ancestral history. Where they came from, for good and bad, mattered a lot to a Jew during the time of Judges. So when we read this story about Gideon today, I want you to think about that. When we listen to who Gideon believes he is, think about where he is drawing his identity from. Now, I want to give you context because we're jumping in and you're not going to get to hear the whole story. If you get to read his entire story, I encourage you to. But the context for our story is that Israel was doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. And the book of Judges has this amazing movement of the people of God moving towards, or the people of God moving towards him and loving him and trusting him and then falling away from him. And chaos enters in. And, and God is engaging with his people. Well, this is a time where the people of Israel are doing sinful things in the eyes of God. They're falling away from him. And because of this, the Lord gives them over to the Midianites. In other words, he hands them over to the Midianites to kind of trample over them. And the Midianites are cruel, and they've ravaged the land where the Israelites are living, and they're fearful, and they're scared, and they don't know where to turn. Well, for seven years, this unfolds. And finally, after seven years of being impoverished and dominated by the Midianites, they finally throw up their hands, and in desperation, they pray to the Lord, and they come to the Lord and say, Lord, would you please draw us back and, and help us in our desperation? And the Lord answers the Israelites in a strange and a wonderful way. And that's where we're going to pick up our story today. If you're following, I'm in Judges chapter 6, and I'll begin with verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Aphra that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, 
where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. I love this about the story. I love how honest Gideon is with the Lord. He says to the angel of the Lord, I hear you saying that the Lord is with me. I even hear you implying and calling me a mighty warrior. Do you notice something, angel of the Lord? I'm hiding in a wine press. I'm scared to death. If I try to thresh this wheat outside of this wine press, the Midianites are going to destroy it. I don't feel like a mighty warrior. I don't see your hand being with me or being with Israel. Lord, I just don't see anything that you're speaking over me right now. You see, I love this about the story. And I want to give us some opportunities to apply it in our own lives. And your first application for today is this. It's okay. In fact, I would say it's great to be honest with God about how you're feeling and what you're going through. It's so okay to just confess what you're feeling, even if it's anger or hurt or feeling distant from the Lord. And I'll tell you why. We're not going to surprise God by what we say. He's not going to say, Chad, I didn't see that one coming. Boy, I didn't know you were thinking that. God knows before I speak a word. But it's so healthy for us to lay it out to God. You're not going to surprise him. And just as importantly, you're never going to overwhelm God. Never. He's never going to say, if I could help you, if, if, if it was a smaller mountain to climb, I'd help you over it. But this mountain's too big. We will never o- overwhelm God with our circumstance or our confession. And the thing I love is we have numerous Bible examples of people lamenting, of crying out to God, being honest and raw with how they're feeling. One of the most famous for this is King David, right? Who wrote so many of our Psalms of the Old Testament. I don't know the number. I I think Pastor Mike might have told me, but that many of his psalms are laments. They're just these raw, honest confessions to God about what he was feeling, what he was experiencing. And I just want to give you one example because it tells us it's so healthy and good for us to be honest with God. Listen to Psalm 13, verses 1 and 2. David writes these words. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? It's such an honest, raw, speaking out to God about what David was experiencing 
and what he was feeling. And, and I just want you to have permission. We don't have to hide our frustrations or our hurts or our doubts from God. In fact, the very best thing we could do is confess them and speak them to God. And he's strong enough to hear and receive and walk with us. And we don't have to go any further than this story to see that God doesn't say, shame on you for telling me the truth, Gideon, about how you were feeling. You should have kept that to yourself. No, look how the Lord responds to Gideon. Verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out from Midian's Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. We're now getting to the crux of Gideon's identity issues. An Israelite was identified first by his or her tribal affiliation, right? We read about the 12 tribes of Israel, and in some ways there's actually 13, but that's a story for another day. But the 12 tribes of Israel, there was Reuben and Gad and Simeon. Well, one of those tribes was Manasseh. So Gideon identifies himself as from the tribe of Manasseh. If we kind of look at a family tree, I'm from the tribe of Manasseh. And under that tribal label, there were clans within the tribe. So a clan was a subtribal unit, meaning it was a smaller unit within the tribe. And clans were made up of extended family that were linked together by shared family history. So within the tribe, we have a clan. And under that clan, right, we have unique families. And this is how Gideon is identifying himself. Now, it's interesting because we're currently living in a time where many people are interested in their family history, in their family tree. And you can see now there's all kinds of ads running that say, get to know where you came from, what your ancestral history is. And, and we can learn a lot about our own journey and familial history. Well, Gideon is clearly connecting his identity with this family of origin, with his ancestral history. And the sad thing is, Gideon perceives his identity in two ways. He says, my clan is the weakest in all of Manasseh. In other words, we're the laughingstock of the tribe of Manasseh. When they look at our clan, they laugh. They, they want to distance, them, distance themselves from us. They wouldn't turn to us to fight a battle if, if it was the last thing they had available to them. So, so, so we are the weakest of the entire tribe. And Lord, do you know my position in the family? You must not, because I am the least in my family. Now, whether this was true or not is not as important as it's what Gideon perceived it to be. 
And, and that's the challenge we have with labels. And, and, and our second point I want to make of application for us today is this. We must, must not draw our identity from any human label that has been given to us. Now, some labels can be good, right? We go back in the yearbook, right? And, and, and maybe, I didn't get this, but maybe you got smartest person in the class, most likely to succeed. Maybe you got class clown, right? But those labels come. And, and, and the truth is, sometimes they're profoundly powerful in sadly shaping our view and our identity of ourselves. I can't tell you in my course of time as a pastor how many people have come into my office with a label that has just been grieving them. 75, 80-year-olds weeping in my office because their mom or dad or sister or brother labeled them as a loser, labeled them as someone who shouldn't have never been born. And out of that place, their identity began to get shaped and formed, and they're having an awful time breaking free. Even in adulthood, in senior adulthood, they're still struggling with that label that was placed on them. And the sad thing is we do it to ourselves just as much as we allow anyone else to label us. I'm guilty of this. I grew up with a crazy smart friend. And through no fault of his, I began to label myself as stupid. He knew everything. I felt like I knew nothing. And when I was with him, he didn't, you know, lord it over me. But I allowed myself to begin to think, that I just wasn't that smart. And, and folks, it, it's still something I struggle with. When, when I went to seminary uh, in, my, in my late 30s, I sat in that first class and I listened to my peers. We were introducing ourselves and they were talking about their background and their journey to this place in time. And in the back of my head, I'm like, you don't belong here. What are you doing, Chad? This is crazy. You're not smart enough to do this. So we allow these labels to become our identity, and they're not our identity, and yet they have profound power if we allow them to label us and identify us. Gideon was struggling with an identity issue. He just saw his clan, his family as weak, his clan as weak, and he said, I am the least, I am the weakest of all the bunch. In other words, God, I am totally inadequate to lead these people against the Midianites. Because Gideon was seeing his ability to lead through his own strength and through his own position in his family of origin. Whether it was true or not, it didn't matter. That's how Gideon saw himself. And so we've got to break free from labels because I need to tell you and myself where our true identity as followers of Christ comes from. Our true identity is this. We are image bearers of our creator. 
And I'm not just saying this. All we have to do is look at Scripture. Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Folks, we have been created in the very image of God. That is true of our identity. We are image bearers of our creator. And Ari spoke to this, and I'm so glad he did. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139, verse 14, King David writes these crazy important words. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Folks, God uniquely designed you and me. And we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made image bearers of our creator. But God's not done. He had more to do as he created our true identity. Finally, every one of you who is here today, whether online or in person, if you've stepped across that threshold and you've given your life to Jesus, you put your trust in him, you have one more important identity that we sang about today. John 1, verse 12 reminds us, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, who believed in the name of Jesus Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. Folks, you were made in the image of your creator. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made. And through Christ, you are a child of God. That's our true identity as followers of Jesus. We can't let the labels of this world, the labels we place on ourselves, become our identity. Our identity comes from the Lord. Let's come back and see how the Lord responds to Gideon's struggle with his own identity. Judges 6, 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Folks, we don't have time to share the rest of this story. Gideon's still battling his identity, and God is going to keep speaking into the life of Gideon. But right here in the text, verse 16, God reminds Gideon and all of us of a very powerful and important truth. I will be with you. That's what the Lord says. I'll be with you, Gideon. What's the big deal? I am going to be with you. How often do we forget this fundamental truth? The Lord will be with us. The Lord was saying to Gideon, you may see yourselves as weak, as least, but that's not how I see you. Gideon, I made you in my own image. Gideon, you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. And if I send you to lead Israel against the Midianites, guess what? I will be with you. And if I am with you, you will carry out my will. I'll give you what you need. Gideon, you just have to step forward 
and trust me. Our final application this morning is this. As the Lord calls us forward to do his will, we must trust, we must believe that he is with us. Folks, there's so many wonderful places I could turn, but I think Jesus may say it best. When he gave us what we refer to as the Great Commission in Matthew's Gospel, he said, go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you know why Jesus said this? Because he didn't want his disciples, his followers, he didn't want us to think, I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. Because we're not. <laughs> but he is with us. And our identity does not become from our human journey. It becomes from our relationship with God. We are his image bearer. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are his children. And if God sends us forward to do his will, I promise you, he will be with you and he will be with me to carry out the things that he has called us to. So if you're feeling led to serve, you're not going to serve alone. The Lord is with you. If he's calling on you to speak to a family member about Christ, you're not in that room alone. The Lord is with you. I will be with you always. Always means always. <laughs> to the very end of the age. That's the Lord we serve. That's where our true identity needs to come from. And folks, I just want to affirm you, as we walk out our faith, we walk it out together with the Lord. Amen.